0: And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, a spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. In the first hour from September, what you'll hear today, I guess I should say, uh, in the first hour from September 11th event at Novel Idea Bookstore, you'll hear Kristen and Andrea Chuck uh, reading from and launching her latest book, uh, Mother's Genius. Following that from the September 3rd reading in the end, the Journey Continues monthly open mic reading series. You'll hear readings by Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Jill Glatt, Roger Dory, Corey Toke, Kevin uh G or I'm sorry, Devin G. A. and Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah Amtish, and Alyssa Cooper. And in the second hour, we're just gonna continue with that September third reading in the end The Journey Continues uh, series. Uh you'll hear readings by Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Jill Glatt, Roger Dory, Corey Tokey. Devin G.A., uh, and Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah M. Tish, Alyssa Cooper, and me. Uh, this first, though, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So up first this hour from a September, uh, uh, September 11th book launch event at Novel Idea Bookstore, you'll hear... Kristen and Andrichuk, reading from her latest book, Mother's Genius. And uh, she was introduced that evening by uh, Maureen Garvey. Tell you what, here it is.
1: I'm, uh, my name is Maureen Garvey. Uh, I have uh, known Chris uh, probably not as long as some people here, but I've known her for quite a long time. Uh, Chris and I have been in the Banri uh, writing group. I'm not sure exactly how long, but Laurie Lewis invited me sometime in the 1990s. <laughs> and the Banri writing group is, is a kind of thing like, you know, the, 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 uh, the coat where you replace one sleeve and another sleeve and it takes on different shapes all the time. But one of the thi- one of the pieces that hasn't actually ever changed as far as I know is Chris (laughs) Uh, it was a a group that began I think out of a writing class of Bronwyn Wallace's and Chris uh, was in that foundational group and she has been uh, a very loyal and stalwart member ever since I think discovering as a lot of us do that um, having that kind of uh, audience that kind of reader, that kind of community, uh, and that kind of expectation that you're going to turn up uh, once a week with something to write is just an amazing gift. And Chris has turned up every week. I don't think I've ever (laughs) ever known Chris to come without something. Um, And as a result, Chris's output over the years, I think, has really been... um, uh, not that she wouldn't have written otherwise. I'm sure she would have, and she was writing well before I, I imagine the Van Re writing group began. Uh, but it is one of the reasons why she has a very wide and wonderful corpus of uh, of, of writing, uh, beginning from the early days in small magazines. Uh, Chris has been a real kind of role model for an awful lot of writers. Uh, she goes through that horrific process of actually submitting work to um, (laughs) (laughs) editors instead of just putting it under the bed. As the window gets increasingly small, uh, um, she still um, persists and it has been really um, remarkably, not remarkably because she's kept at it and she's a very good writer, but she's been uh, very successful. I mean, one of her early books which is Mm -hmm. The Singing Tree, is that it? That was Oberon in the 80s, was it, I think? Or was it? I wrote it down somewhere. 1996, you're right, yeah, 1996. Uh, And then another one from Oberon, and then in very quick succession, uh, two books from Guerinca as part of their Essential Prose series. So, um, I think we were all very excited to see Mother's Genius because um, Martin, who's Mother's Genius, is a character that's been very familiar to all of us. And he's a a very complex character, uh, one um, who's not easy to live with, uh, I think, as his mother knows, his sister knows, and a number of other people who know Martin uh, have found out. But he was uh, very... um, Uh, a character who uh, had an awful lot to overcome he was angry at times but he had really some uh, wonderful gifts I remember at one stage he had written a science fiction novel and which we got to read quite a bit of. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I felt very sad that not very many of the Salorians got into this book, but um, maybe uh, Martin might publish that book himself later later on. (laughs) 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 Um, So I think um, there's not an awful lot more that I really want to say, except I think uh, many of us here uh, Bill Hutchison has been a stalwart listener of uh, Chris's over the years, as has Laurie. And a lot of new uh, people have joined the writing group who uh, I think have learned a lot from Chris. She's There are other books as well um, that I think uh, many of us feel should see the light, and we hope that they do very soon. But for now, tonight, we're celebrating Mother's Genius, and Chris is going to read to us. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Maureen. That was a very nice introduction, and though I said 98, the book was published, which was correct, actually. It was written 10 years before that, so you were also correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to thank Maureen for introducing me, and uh, I want to thank the writers' group for coming, and Bill Hutchinson, for very glad you're here, who played a role in, in the character Martin.
3: I <laughs> <laughs> <seem> to, <understand, laughs> <laughs> really to understand
2: them when well. some, some people at Guernica I don't exactly, <laughs> but, uh, and I want to thank uh, people who've come from out of town. My sister from Owen Sound and friends from Toronto and Barry. Uh, really glad to see all of you and many of Sylvia's co-workers. <laughs> and I've, lastly, I'd like to thank my not leastly, but mm. Lastly, I'd like to thank my daughter Sylvia, who uh, edited the book and has been given endless technical support. But I'd also like to thank my husband Don for his long time <laughs> support and loyalty, <laughs> but not with a lot. Anyway, uh, Mother's Genius, I have to read from a big print, is uh, set in the small town of Grenville, which is familiar to many of you from the previous novel, Cadillac Road. The story progresses through the 1950s to the 80s. In 1940, Martin Thornton, five years old, fell from the family's apartment balcony and suffered catastrophic and permanent injuries. This plays a role in everything that happens afterward. His alienation, his anger, his mother's love and devotion, his sister's alienation, and his everything else that happens. This is Martin's story. I'm going to read four very short passages from the novel. I'll start at the beginning. The first section, when we were young, is narrated by Gretchen, who is 14 years old. The year is 1953. Her brother Martin would be 18 at this point. The port swing great, screech squawk, screech squawk, which to us sings, summer, summer. The swing belonged to my great-grandmother, who spends winters in the barn. I like its squeaky voice. When I was little, I named it Screechy. Martin laughed at me, said I was always naming, making pets of everything. The first day of the holidays, and I finished grade eight. If only summer could last forever. I'm reading beautiful Joe. The poor old dog's dying, and I'm crying so much you can't see the print. Mother says to always finish a book, no matter how sad it makes you. Bears one for life, she says. Martin was Charlemagne, his yellow-striped tomcat stretched out at his feet. He's typing away at the brailler. He can do 30 words a minute now. I'm glad he's home and never has to go back to that school. He hated it. He graduated grade 12. He's going to be a writer. Already is. Plans to write a bestseller and will live in New York. Hope that doesn't happen right away. Mother says someday he'll be famous. I pick up my book and read a little more. Gretchen, you're stuffling. Are you crying? Martin asks. This book's too sad. What book? Beautiful Joe. That's a kid's book. Science fiction's better. You should read Arthur C. Clarke's new book, Childhood's End. Mother recorded it for me. Though his cloudy eyes can't focus, he looks at me. swing groans as I get up. What are you writing? I peer over his shoulder. About a fun band of aliens that accidentally land on Earth. You mean like our Japurians? That was kid stuff. Your braille's slow, so I'll read you a bit, is the prologue. He takes a breath. When the fiery meteor storms have abated to the chaos of a fragmented moon, a band of drunken poets wake with terrible hangovers. Through much belching and farting, they collect themselves sufficiently to venture out and wander the rubble-strewn, deserted streets. Hey, what the fuck's going on, says Did To miss the War of the Worlds or something? I feel myself blushing. I liked their Japurians better. They tame groundhogs and lived in burrows. That was juvenile. Use dirty language, and all they do is drink. Time you grew up, little sister. I'm going riding. Screen door banged shut behind me, and I stride off towards the barn. Why does he bring dirty talk into everything? He never used to. I won't spend this summer sitting around reading books. I'm fourteen and want a job. Old Sy Forbes hates kids. hires kids to lead the ponies at the amusement park. He and my great grandmother were friends. I went there a lot last summer before Dad bought me Misty a dapple gray Welsh cob. But I miss the pony track, and this summer I'm going to do something about it. Now this next bit I'm going to read is a couple of weeks later. I'm riding Misty home from the track. After working for nearly two weeks, I've changed a lot. I'm making friends with the other pony leaders. But Donna's my best friend. She's new in town. She's pretty, shiny brown hair and a bouncy ponytail isn't tall, tall and skinny like me, hate my and pair. Everybody likes her, but she says I'm her best friend. She came to our barn one morning while I was riding in the paddock. I let her ride and told her my pony was named after one in a book, Misty by Marguerite Henry. Donna wanted to borrow the book, and that's how she met Martin. She makes him act so goofy, and that's when the trouble started. When we came into the porch, Martin, his black curls falling over his eyes, was bent over a book. Sorry, I said. Thought you and Mother were working in your office. We're done. Who's your friend? I'm Donna Evans. You her brother? Yes, I'm Martin at 18. Same age as my brother. What are you reading? We're studying Plato this summer. That's one of the planets, isn't it? Martin (laughs) smiled. No, you're thinking of Pluto. Plato's a Greek philosopher. We're reading the Apology, trying to answer the question. What is wisdom? He bent over the book and traced the words with his right hand. The old man is the wisest who, like Socrates, knows that his wisdom is in truth worth nothing. Donna stared at him. I scowled at her. She didn't need to stare, but it would help me stop showing off. I'll get the book, have a seat on the swing. Hey, I saw one of these swings in a movie. I like the red flowered cushions. Martin got up leaned on his cane and went outside. Pushing with her foot, Donna got the swing moving. Your brother, brother's blind, eh? He can oh. see outlines. He's really smart, good looking too in spite of his eyes. He walks funny, what happened? I ignored all her stupid questions. I'll be right back. Just then, Martin opened the screen door. He held a single red rose. How well did art imitate nature, he asked. Donna looked at him with her mouth open. Is this more beautiful than those on the cushions? Yeah, sure, I guess. For you, Martin said, he handed her the flower. For me, Donna laughed. Surprise, thanks. That was their first meeting. She comes with me to the track sometimes and leads ponies. Most afternoons she has to babysit her little brothers because her mother sells real estate. Some mornings we ride misty or hang out in the loft. Years back, dad bought built stairs to replace the ladder, hung a swing board with it wide enough for two for the rafters. Bart and I had a lot of fun up there before I got too old to play. Don and I pumped that old swing so high our feet bumped the roof boards. Sometimes I get home from the track and find her on the porch, playing cards with my brother. Why is she hanging around him? She's my age, not his. Moving ahead a couple of years, though, this next bit I'm going to read is 1955. Uh, Gretchen Martin's father has just died. The church was full. and Maggie wore a red dress. Said she didn't believe in wearing black for funerals. We should celebrate his life, she said. Mother wore her beige suit and said nothing. Everybody came back to the house. We used the good wedgewood dishes and Mother's best damask cloth. The women from the church were doing it all. Mother sat in a rocking chair. Martin walked around holding Donna's hand. He spoke to everyone. Aunt Maggie left right after the graveyard. Evening now, and everybody has gone home. We're here without Dad. Shouldn't feel so strange. After all, he was often away days at a time. Mother sits hunched over in her rocking chair. My mother, who said so often. Sit up straight, or when you're an old lady, you'll have a hump in your back. Mother looks like an old lady. I Hadn't noticed the gray in her dark hair. Stranger still, she seems smaller. I want her to tell me it's past my bedtime. I want her to notice I'm squirming with itchiness. I broke it out in hives. She just sits there like she's gone away. I want my bossy mother back. I want her to tell me what's wrong with the neighbors, the town, what's wrong with me. I want her to fix things. Martin brings her Sherry. Where's all this sherry coming from? Mother always drinks tea. Martin, strangely, seems bigger. He keeps saying, don't worry, Mother. I'll look after everything. In the past, when people visited, he either read a book or went to his room. Now he greets visitors at the door and ushers them out when they leave. Tells Mother to stay seated. Just rest, he'll look after everything. I heard him tell Donna that he'll take charge of business matters. Mother has always looked after bill paying. Dad was away so much. How could Martin pay the bills? Has he forgotten he's blind? He also told Donna that dad left an insurance policy worth $200,000. Just the interest of in that will give us a generous income, he tells her. It almost sounds like he's boasting. Now, this last bit that I'm going to read is from the second section of the book, Girl in a Shoe. And Donna is the narrator of the second and third sections. Three years have passed since the funeral. It's now 1958. Donna is reading a letter from Martin. She learned Braille that first summer she met Martin. As she said, it's like writing notes in code. Now this is the letter that Martin writes, Donna. June 4th, 1958. <clears throat> Dear Donna, in regards to you and Mother telling me to keep writing, that each publication is a living heir, that each poem I sign with my name is keeping my name alive, me being the last of the Thorns, because if Gretchen ever has children, they some ban surname. Poems are my children, you both say. Poems are not my children. Poems are my excrement. Most people don't know that all they leave behind is shit. Town council wants to build a sidewalk on our land, then bill us for the cost. Mother says we can't object, even though the deed shows it's our property. Mother's getting old and is afraid to offend the council. I'm not. This is my house, my land, and when mother dies, all the money to get married. In the meantime, we better get a book published mother may well outlive me. I'm putting together some of my science fiction stories to send to Ballantine Books in New York. They published Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End, one of my favorite science fiction novels. Gretchen's not in mother's will. With the 10,000 dad left her for university, she has no need of an inheritance. Soon she'll be a teacher, and they're well enough paid. She's inclined to hold on to her money, but she'll pass me a 20 if I nag. Conscience money. The San Press in California is going to publish the harvest in, in an anthology they're putting together. I've achieved an underground reputation, but the pay is bad. I need to find a magazine that respects my work and pays accordingly. I'm going to have to use a simpler style, but the audience will still have to be reasonably intelligent. San Press doesn't pay much, but at least they understand intelligent writing. My mother dies. We're going to sell this place and go to California. Not fair. She won't give me a share of the money. Why didn't Dad leave me ten thousand? Of course, what did he care? Sent me away to that school as soon as he got home from the war. All sorts of great writers go to California. Ginsburg, Kerouac. You'll like it there. You go to the beach year round. It's 3 a.m., and for the sound of that wind, we're getting more rain. Here's a little poem for you. Branches thrash the windows while the wind's roar drowns the clicking typewriter. My cold companion who swallows my thoughts spits them out in puny turds. My fingers ache from these rough keys never find release till they play, upon that other keyboard where they can tap each knob of wrist, of spine, of rib, of hip, till they are stilled by you. Thank you. Um, Before Chris
1: goes, I just uh, wonder if anyone has some questions they might like to ask her.
4: Sharon. Yeah. the protagonist from Cadillac Grove, the young woman? Sharon. Yeah. What role does she play in
2: Mother's Jeans? Yeah. Well, uh, Gretchen, when she goes out to that pony track to get a job at the amusement park, one of the pony leaders is Sharon.
4: <laughs> Sharon
2: and Gloria <laughs> are, are
4: both the pony leaders. Do you hear more about their family and what happened to them?
2: Yes. Uh, not at the same, for instance, one time that she's out the pony, when Gretchen's out of the pony track. She goes over to Dutton's, uh, by invited by Sharon, to see the new baby. And the Duttons live in one of those rundown, as you know from Cadillac Road, one of those run-down Crystal Beach houses with many children, and uh, where Sharon is, um, you know, another baby is just another baby. To Gretchen, it's wonderful, a family that has no little ones in it. So she's very impressed by all the babies, <laughs> and that's uh, absolutely wonderful. Yes. And then later on in the novel, uh, Sharon and Donna are friends, and uh, Sharon comes to visit Donna, and Donna is full of envy for Sharon, who's off working in Toronto and, uh, you know, dating her boss and yeah. got a little red car. So there is an intermingling. Well, yeah. oh, yes. Sharon is very much a minor character. One thing, though, I'm mm-hmm. doing there is the idea that the envy other people's lives, not knowing much about it,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. What's the approximate historical? time period. I'm having a hard
2: time sort of empty frame. You may my introduction. It right. in starts in the 1950s. And I thought it was the 1950s, yeah, okay. Martin, I just couldn't get my form. brain into that. Yeah. I think I forgot to the 50s in
1: were. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. Yeah. It's time
2: still changed a lot.
1: <laughs> so I thought it was the 50s, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you was there about, because I, mean, I think all your books are more or less set in Crystal, Crystal Beach, Beach in that
2: area? Well, yeah. yes. If so it's a kind of funny right. thing I did. Maybe I should have kept Crystal Beach. But as I went on, uh, things didn't necessarily fit in Crystal yeah. Beach, you know, when you're writing a novel. Yeah. The school has to have opened maybe a few years sooner and so forth. <laughs> uh, Also, I don't know why I started, I invented Grenville. I decided an to invented town was better than Crystal Beach, because you had to keep too much. Yeah. to the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Crystal Beach, the Pony Track is the Pony Track yeah. of Crystal Beach, even yeah. as Grenville, and another novel that hasn't been published and may never be. It's a very that's long one, and they don't the like the part such part long ones. You know, uh, uh, I call the, the town you know, Erieville, it's but it's Pops, another yeah. brand of Crystal Beach. <laughs>
1: yeah. But what, what is there in particular about Crystal Beach that you really like? like I think
2: because it was such a place of contrast. I grew up in a very uh, conventional family. We were, went to the Anglican Church and we put on a skirt to go out downtown and so forth. And that was Ridgeway. Crystal Beach, which is a mile away, was a wild summer resort. Where? And there was such a variety of people because, of course, it was a very white town, too. Back in the 50s, place like Ridgeway. But Crystal Beach, there were lots of black people, okay, all over from Buffalo, who, to us, seemed very free. And very exciting. Uh, and then Bay Beach was a Jewish community, just a little way up. So that we was a, it was an area of contrast. And uh, I think all these various people met at the beach actually. And, and um, yeah, and then the 20 minute bus ride away was Buffalo, so that I could visit a big American city. And 20 minutes later I was That's back in the country. So I think it was the um, contrast. I think that's mm-hmm. why yes,
3: i yeah. never
2: come yeah. collect yeah. Even when I wrote an historical novel, you can call it that because I'm getting so old mm-hmm. now. Context, it's back yeah. in the 1930s, so it's but it's still really the same. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Good. Thanks, everyone. Yes, Thanks Thank very much. much. Bruce, uh, no need to rush off. Chris will sign books.
3: snacks.
0: Thank you you. And you just heard from the September 11th book launch event at Novel Idea Bookstore uh, Kristen Andrichuk reading excuse me, lost connection there reading from her latest book, Mother's Genius I'll tell you what, let's do this and I'll be right back The staff at Martha's Table provides a caring
6: place where people in need can have nutritious meal for only one dollar. Now you can get involved in this great
1: cause.
7: Martha's Table is looking for volunteers to help in the kitchen, at the drop-in center, picking up food, or even being a friendly face at fundraising events. Volunteer orientation is every Thursday at 4.30 in the drop-in center and volunteers must be 14 years of age or older. You can donate using a credit card through Martha's Table.ca or you can send your donation by mail, cash, check, or bank draft.
6: Martha's Table, 629 Princess Street, Whether it's volunteering, donating, or anything else that you can offer Martha's Table, visit their website, marthastable.ca.
8: Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evenings from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 in
9: Newfoundland. If there's a listener-supported radio station, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world. Not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture. different understanding, a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become uh, human, you know, that's the way you become human participants in in a social and
0: political system. Folk Everything, every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk
10: Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red Molly to
3: James That's a fine
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Terrence Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6, and we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Okay, we're going to shift gears here, and uh, for the remainder of the show, really, but for the rest of this hour, let's uh, focus on that first. Uh, We'll move into the September 3rd reading in the monthly and the Journey Continues reading series, now done in the round. And uh, in the first half of the event, uh, with those readings done in the round, you're going to hear uh, essentially what you'll hear there and what happened that night is one poet, one poem, and then we pass the mic. So that's why you're going to I air these as groupings of uh, poets uh, and rather than just try to otherwise you'd hear my voice all the time i'd be go yeah that that was them and here comes this so these are usually in three to four poets uh, put together so up first in that first half uh, that evening here are gwen whitford sasha hill and jill glatt
11: Welcome everybody, thanks for showing up tonight. Uh, We've got a nice crowd and uh, let's give uh, the Elm uh, a hand for having this space for us every month. And also Katie, a hand for always taking really good care of us. Let's go ahead and bring up Gwen Whitford. Let's bring her up. Hello.
12: Thanks, Bruce. Good evening, everyone. Here we go. Um, next time you come into the cafe, you might not want to sit too close to me. Here's why. <laughs> A fly on the wall conversations overheard by chance, confidences communicated in public places where strangers in close proximity somewhat occupied with sipping, reading, writing, unintentionally overhearing as their seemingly innocent ears absorb the ways of the world and the extraordinary revelations that people openly disclose, innocently, spontaneously, nonchalantly, in an open space. I confess to being a keeper of secrets, except when changing names, situations, and circumstances to make up a make-believe world. I don't know them anyway, and truth is stranger than fiction. Thank you.
11: we give Gwen Whitford another hand. Let's bring up Sasha Hill.
13: Since 94, always want more rainbows. stress what I've been told. No, I'll never find a go. Cartoons don't grow old, so we don't know. Don't change my channel. Don't do it, get a bruising. Got my rocket power on YTV. Canadian kid, you know me You can't until till we throw up Sugar speech, grow up honestly Me tuning out responsibility on the CDs <laughs> It's a holy ghost when your favorite show Show up on the television Big phone, cereal, That's all the matter, all you really need Take me back to those days Those days, those days, yeah Well, we would just kick it We would just kick it, yeah Kick it, nostalgia we kick it nostalgia we kick it nostalgia yeah we, yeah <laughs> all right was a poor little rug rat in my mama's home didn't know on all the channels had to go to dad's house never go to school bus just had to walk a block mile in my shoes my shoes tied up we racing, still playing, 25, running out of time, speed on the playground, now double-double there, double yeah, no way I'm caught up in elementary, had to spool it as a kid, had to call my bad up. was my dad and a brother in a pickup truck, no one bothered me after that, Mom, party said pizza, pinky and the brain teach me to be an evil genius, <laughs> Work on the genius part My heroes couldn't find me I was just a baby in a mystery band I turned off Dragon Ball Z Couldn't take all the screaming Come a, ha, ha, nah Fortune teller, please tell me how to I feel Futurama with that so brave And I caved in, I'm a bit different Little animaniac in a modern life Gotta wake up from a cartoon coma I just wanna kick it I just wanna kick it, yeah I just want to kick it, yeah, yeah. Kick it, nostalgia. We kick it, nostalgia. Yeah, we kick it. We, we, we kick it. Yeah. Thank you, guys.
11: That was Sasha Hill, let's give it up for her again as we bring up Jill Black.
7: out. She'd scour the pots and scrape the pans, candy the yams and spice the hams, and though her daddy would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. And so it piled up to the ceilings, coffee grounds, potato peelings, brown bananas, rotten peas, chunks of sour cottage cheese. It filled the can, it filled the floor, it cracked the window and blocked the door with bacon rinds and chicken bones. Drippy ends of ice cream cones. Prune pits, peach pits, orange peel. Gloppy gumps of cold oatmeal. Pizza crusts and withered greens. Soggy beans and tangerines. Crusts of black burned buttered toast. gristly bits of beefy roast. The garbage rolled on down the hall. It raised the roof. It broke the wall. Greasy napkins, cookie crumbs. Globs of gooey bubble gum cellophane from green bologna, rubbery blubbery macaroni, peanut butter caked and dry, curdled milk and crusts of pie, moldy melons, dried up mustard, eggshells mixed with lemon custard, cold french fried and rancid meat, yellow clumps of cream of wheat. At last, the garbage reached so high that it finally touched the sky, and all the neighbors moved away and none of her friends would come to play. And finally, Sarah Cynthia Stout said, okay, I'll take the garbage out. But then, of course, it was too late. The garbage reached across the state, from New York to the Golden Gate. And there, in the garbage, she did hate. Poor Sarah met an awful fate that now I cannot, I, that I cannot now relate, because the hour is much too late. Let children, friends, remember Sarah Stout, and always take the garbage out.
0: Thank you. And you just heard readings by Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, and Jill Glatt. And that was in the first half of September 3rd, and the journey continues reading in that monthly open mic series held at the Elm Cafe. And again, done in the round, as you can tell. So up next in it, you'll hear Roger Dory, Corey Toke, Devin G.A., and Anne Graham.
11: As we bring Roger Dory up, that was Jill Glass. Let's give her another hand.
9: First off, I have to ask a question. Raise your hand if you know what a matchbook book is. A match
14: book. Oh, yeah.
9: yeah yes. oh, okay, that's good. Right, okay, that's good. Okay. Now, does anybody remember the matchbooks books that had the um, advertisement on it where you could check off a trade? Well, there was. For, the, for, for anyone who, um, they, these match books, you could check off a trade and enroll in a trade school. On these matchbooks. Anger management. Eyewitnesses said the person held a matchbook, filled in their address, including postal code and telephone num- number, and checked off the box for anger management, and proceeded to light the house on fire screaming, high school, best years of your life, not the greatest incentive for a formal education then dropped out of the system before the rescue units arrived. Later, response to the inquiry came prior to post. Course canceled due to lack of interest. Please choose another option. Thank you.
11: As we bring up Corey Tokay, let's give Roger Doreen another hand.
8: fangs in their frontal lobe,
10: injecting insulation. Thank you.
11: Oh. <laughs> so, it was Cory Toquet. As we give him another hand, let's bring up uh, Devon G.A.
6: black whack job. It's called stream of arrogance. I threw it up. Let the bird fly away. Talk a lot. I forget what to say. When things don't go my way, feel the wrath of my fists. My tooth sings so diligently. Reality, I led astray. Chain smoking and drunk on rage. My heart sings as I blankly stare at the ashtray. Too often, fists form on a triple beam, Sneer like a horny puma. Cross lines of gambit guarantee bliss, but aren't as hopeful as they seem. Connected dots, looking like the American dream. Have a slimness and forfeiture with my peers. Shared dimness enters the eye of this beholder. The perceived structure of bleach. The burning feeling in the air tonight never adds grimness to my personal personal rapture. My reaper, the one who rhymes, coincidentally calls the death of me. Racy is the spotlight, it lands on the one who runs tight. Irony in this broke man, I wander to locate a little thing to sneer at. My vision could be foresight, but I'm the scarlet witch, bewitching myself with the grind, complaining about blindness. I submit to the bind of emotion, turning my initial sight into madness. Drivel is my existence, I drink too much. Wind up my pride, it becomes sadness. The spotlight reveals what I perceive as a God. To give, maybe to receive, but I can't stop taking. When the day may come, I want to achieve greatness. At times at great cost, I will think that I have lost. These lines never cross like connections in the brain. I've passed the limit, failing to play within it. Waiting for this rapture, I sit with my legs crossed for hours, buried in a pit my God put me in. Ignorance is how I lost my vision. This ignorance I call Thanos. Thank you.
11: As we bring up Ann Graham, let's give Devin G.A. another hand.
14: Faster than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> um, so I've started writing my autobiography and I've been trying to do this for quite a few years and I've decided that I'm just going to motivate myself by announcing that this is the first edition, okay? <laughs> so uh, the introduction is pieces of Anne, Birth to 2019, the beginning. Not a good day for my poor mother, who said it was the last straw when she had me. Evil. Good and evil are tools of the clergy, parents, teachers, and politicians to control our behavior. But I define evil differently. Evil can follow you like a dark ghost. But I have known real evil since my birth. Abandoned by parents, my lullabies were the drowning of planes, sirens and screams, as the bombs fell and the landscape collapsed. I still have craters in my memories. Adrenaline kicks in when sirens rail. On D-Day, The war did not stop for me. It continues in my brain and psyche. We were three children alone on the streets. Shelter, food, and survival were our goals. Fear was our companion and motivator. Love kept us bound, close together.
0: And you just heard uh, readings by Roger Dory, Corey Toke, Devin G.A., and Graham. And all of those were a uh, group, uh, uh, well, followed each other in the first half of the September 3rd. And the journey continues reading in that monthly open mic series, again held at the Elm Cafe. And uh, now another group coming up uh, from that same first half. You're going to hear Bob McKenzie, Sarah Antish, and Alyssa Cooper.
11: As we bring up Bob McKenzie, let's give Ann Graham another hand.
5: Okay, this is uh, actually a poem I wrote for an event later this month that I'm I now not able to attend, so you get to understand. It's called, Where Are the Angels? Can I tell you a story? It's a sad story. I was panhandling downtown, sitting on the sidewalk, and this man walked by me. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. This man walked by me, he turned and came back. This man passed me three times. I think he's an ecstasy dealer, Then he walked across the street, he picked up a brick, brought it over and hit me hard, hit me three times in the back. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. I don't even know him. It's not easy, this street life, sleeping on grass and park benches roughing it in camps in the woods, waiting to be roasted by city cops, ready to destroy whatever you own, handling for enough to buy food, digging in restaurant dumpsters, stealing food just to survive, shadow along downtown sidewalks, shadows adrift outside society's comforts, invisible to those who wish not to see, Wisps like ghosts huddled on sidewalks, walked past by the living, afraid to see, homeless abandoned with no place to go. Poorly fed and poorly housed or not at all. Illness and mental health issues untreated, alone and unprotected against the elements preferred by too many to be dead and gone. It's not easy with no home to go to, shelters often too full or dangerous, moved along by cops and shopkeepers, beaten and harassed by bored police, braving seasons without proper clothes, battered by rain and snow and hot sun, in shadows and other eaves or trees, invisible to those who will not see, shadow people living in the cracks. I walk in the shadows among the ghosts, talk with them and call them my friends the troubles and those who have troubles strong and courageous against all odds beaten and abused but most of all shunned invisible and unwanted wherever they stop a man passed three times my friend says beat him with a brick a too common story my friend tells me i don't even know him where are the angels when you need them where are the helpless Helpers and compassionate, bringing the homeless back home again, raising up the downtrodden and defeated, feeding the hungry and healing the ill, seeing in the shadows beautiful people, bringing life back to sidewalk ghosts, light to those who live in the shadows. And if you look, you will see angels.
11: bring up Sarah and M T let's give Bob McKinsey another hand.
4: Thank you. Yeah. Um, so when I was here last month, Sasha drew a picture of me. I thought that was really cool. It reminded me of uh, the times I used to draw more. Um, and uh, the times I used to draw people when they, they didn't realize it. Uh, so when I lived in Toronto, I did a lot, I wrote the subway a lot. And, um, and this is a poem about, about trying to draw people on the train. It's called Train Sketching. Don't stare, but look. Is someone asleep or reading a book? Be subtle, don't keep up your gaze like a creep. With an open pen and an open sheet, it's just drawing a friend that you may never meet. Quick, look at your feet. Lines drawn along with the rush of the train and the train whistle song, wondering what's in their brains as you take down the face they maintain.
11: As we bring up Alyssa Cooper, let's give Sarah Hemtage another hand.
15: since you last slipped your fingers under your own skin since you learned to live with the ideation not wanting to die but wanting to sleep and never wake, you can hear the lullaby of the universe calling you to bed it whispers through breakfast whispers on the train it whispers all day and then at night it screams come home come home come home don't you know that you cannot hear the sea until you open your lungs to the salt the tide comes in, hopeful, and recedes, disappointed. The waves crashing on your calcium shore, asking you to sink. And you dig your toes into the sand. Instead, cover your ears with both hands. You think of the things that those hands have helped. The butterfly with crooked wings. Remember how you wept for her limping flight. How you whispered, mercy, 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 but couldn't find the strength to close your fist sang her lullabies softly, gave her salt and bread, let the sand melt on your sorrowful tongue. Can you hear it still, how you screamed, mercy, 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 how you whispered, come home
4: soon.
0: And you just heard Bob McKenzie, Sarah Emtish, and Alyssa Cooper, again, in the first half of the September 3rd, and the journey continues reading in that monthly open mic reading series out at the Elm Cafe. And uh, again, as it seems to be, it shouldn't have to keep saying this. It's probably obvious it's done in the round, so one poet, one, uh, one poem, and pass the mic, so... I do have a few minutes. I've actually scheduled a few minutes into both halves, even more in the second half today. There are just so many events, and there are calls for submissions going on. And I just want to kind of catch everybody up on some of those. So I'm going to do that. Uh, But before I do that, I want to thank you for tuning in to what is nearly now the end of the first hour of today's show do hope you can stay tuned for the second uh, hour. Uh, It's going to feature more of these readings from the uh, September 3rd. And the journey continues uh, reading in that monthly open mic. Uh, One other thing I want to mention is that, uh, and I try to do this at the end of each hour, is that each hour of today's show will be saved to my blog space for it when I get home and will remain there for four years at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com and let me get the sheet of events i think i'm going to do at least let's see here i'm going to do one uh, call for submissions because it actually applies to this and there are only a few days left the deadline for this is october 10th so coming up uh what is that? Middle of next week at some point, or maybe what is today? Today's the fourth, six days from now. So, still got six days, uh, but uh, I'm going to read it the way it's written here. CFRC 101.9 FM has sent out a call for submissions of original work for the first shortwave theater festival. It's going to be a week of audio drama uh, to air on November 5th. And see they're going to select five audio projects uh, from those submitted. Uh, It says that CFRC will work with you to develop your play into a podcast and radio broadcast. Anyone is encouraged to submit professional theater companies, emerging or unpublished writers, uh, mid-career theater artists, or community groups. So check uh, the link for details. Actually, it is www.cfrc.ca slash shortwave should take you right there and you'll know exactly what you need to do. So that sounds pretty cool. That sounds really exciting. Actually, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what comes out of this. I'm going to move now into... Yeah, let's do a few events here before the top of the hour. And then I've uh, got pages of them here, literally. Uh, so um am uh, going to definitely try to get a ways down. There are a lot of things going on. I think I counted 12 events uh, coming up this coming week and something like nine the week after. So it's going to be a busy October. Uh We'll do another. Let's before I get into the events though. There's an open call for submissions. It sounds pretty cool and is kind of new to the list. Trying to make sure. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do one one other one uh, that's expires earlier. There's one coming up on uh, October sixteenth, and it's like uh, the Kingston Arts Council. It's their Nan Yeaman's, uh grant for visual media. Uh, so it's kind of cool too to audio or visual media things uh, calls here uh, this afternoon. So uh, it says that grant uh, for artistic development uh, uh, has launched, and the grant aims to help young promising artists and or artisans working in visual media to further, further their artistic growth and education. The application deadline, again, for that is October 16th, dot artskingston.ca slash and it's I'll just spell it out NAN dash YEOMANS dash grant grant dash FOR dash RARTISTIC and uh, that's followed by a slash Uh, anyway uh, I think there's actually it's actually longer than that because I used uh, an ellipsis there at the end so just to not take up quite as much room on the page so just go to the Kingston Arts Council and I'm sure uh, you will find the Nan Yeomans grant and there's probably just a button there that will that is a direct link so I'd encourage you to check that out if you uh, have something and if you're interested and want to take part uh, there is another, um, just, um, for some reason, I'm sticking with calls for submissions that are uh, audio or visual. This one here is, and I'm reading it because I don't know that I've shared it because I just came across this recently. Uh, it's call for submissions for recorded work, and i uh, going to believe this is from there. Yeah, it's from BrickBooks' website, and it's done through BrickBooks. Uh, so this is a quote from their website. Uh, Brickyard is an audiovisual hub proud to showcase excellence in Canadian writers, poets, storytellers, and spoken word artists. Brickyard features a range of beloved Brick Books authors reading from their books, as well as a wide selection of new recordings by artists not currently fe- featured on the print list. So, uh www.brickbooks, all one word, brickbooks.ca, slash, brickyard slash, and that should be the direct link right to that call for submissions, and uh, you know what? I'm going to save, and that way I can just couple all the events together. Uh, I've given out uh, calls for submissions, and I almost never uh, am able to do that. So I have time for calls for submissions. So at least I kind of got those done. And I think it was uh, because they're essentially getting close to running out, it uh, was important uh, to let you know uh, before somebody finds out about it after the fact and uh, go, hey, why didn't I know that? So Again, I want to thank you for tuning in uh, to this first hour of the show. We're getting just about ready to transition over to the second hour, and uh, you know what? It's close enough. We're half a minute away. I'm just going to jump right into it. So uh, let's call it 5 o'clock. Let's call it exactly, uh, according to my clock, uh, 59, 37, 59 minutes and 37 seconds after 4. So... You are listening still to Finding a Voice here on the CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queens University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Yeah, and in the second hour, from, again, the September 3rd reading, In the End, the Journey Continues, monthly open mic reading series. And as we continue with the first round and then move into the second, you're going to hear, excuse me, just a second. I apologize, but I have to shut the mic off occasionally. I'm on the final days, I think, of the stupid cold I've had, so... I don't want to cough right into the microphone, so I think you'll appreciate—you won't—you won't notice the dead air as much as you'll notice um, a loud cough coming through the radio. So let's do it that way, air on the safe side. In this hour, you're going to hear readings by Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Jill Glatt, Roger Dory, Corey Toke, Devon G. A. And Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah M. Dij, Alyssa Cooper, and me. So you're going to hear essentially the same uh, people you heard in that first. Uh, we had uh, we were able to do three rounds that night. So you're going to uh, you were you'll hear the same people in this half in this hour show as you heard in the first, uh, with the addition of a few more people because we didn't make it through the first. I couldn't get all the first round in uh, the first hour today. The usual hourly announcement though, occasionally some uh, poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So again, more from the September 3rd reading in the monthly and the journey continues reading series, and now done, as uh, you're well aware, in the round, and uh, we're going to finish up that first of three rounds, this was still in the first half, but the first of three rounds that evening, and in this uh, group uh, of uh, readings, you're going to hear readings by Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Eric Folsom, and uh, me.
11: Bring up Lyle Miriam. Let's give Alyssa Cooper another hand.
8: This piece is called Monkey Talk. All those nasty monkeys that chatter in my head, saying you're not good enough, you're never going anywhere, and anyway, you'll soon enough be dead. Some days they take the upper hand and make me doubt myself. They make me think it's all in vain, that if I finish anything, it will spend eternity sitting on a shelf. All that monkey chatter that echoes in my brain, telling me that it's too late, that it wasted too much time, and my life is swiftly going down the drain. All those monkeys in my brain that try to put me down, what have those guys ever done? Who are they to criticize? Who do they think they're trying to push around? Be gone, you nasty monkeys. Take your chatter far away. Go waste someone else's time. I'm no longer listening to anything that you might have to say. Thank you.
11: As we bring up TLN, let's give Lyle Miriam another hand.
16: with someone I love. I miss sitting on the floor, reading poetry out loud, pressing hands into the blankets, bringing the candles to our noses. It's just not something you can do alone. Now my heart is breaking for a poem that hits too close to home, too close to this thing keeping me alive. A poem about lettuce and bathtubs, and in the middle of the store I'm running warm water, dipping in a fish net next to the books about how love can save me. And I've said that love could save me, but I don't know if it would. I know what I've promised, but I smell like coffee and caramel, and I'm still alone. Poetry can change your heart, can save your life, but I don't know if it will, and I'm still alone. One day, we met a man here who told us he saw Allen Ginsberg back in the 90s, and we listened to Howl all afternoon until we had to stop. There's probably a copy here somewhere. I could look, but I won't, because I don't need to anymore, because I don't think I'll ever forget it. Because time doesn't work the way, time doesn't work the right way, can't touch me like it should. I'm still walking in slow motion, a goldfish looping through and around the same aisles, fingers dragging like anchors along the spines. And my heart is breaking when someone comes up to me and says that I'm pretty, and I laugh, and I'm still alone, and I don't believe her, and I'm still alone. Then no one notices the way I've stopped breathing in the feminist section, and I wish they did, because I'm still alone. I wish I had anyone to notice me. I wish I had someone to read this poem to
11: As we bring up, uh, also, let's give TLN another hand.
17: This is called skewness. Um, uh, that word is from, uh, it's from statistics. It's a way of like uh, uh, describe. you know, uh, all the poles that you're gonna be seeing in the next several weeks, like there's a margin of error. It's when there's more margin of error in one part of the graph than another. That's how skewed it is, it's skewness. And it's, um, so I'm using that as a metaphor for something else, skewness. A line drawn just outside the bell curve of our lives. The pair of slim second arcs pushed off to one side shifted as if by asymmetry in our passions, shadow profiles of our margin for error. Liminal sapphire against the circular dark, a backlit corona, blue planet in the eclipse. Atmospheric layer we need so we can breathe. Swirls and percolations of weather on the ground. Was it magnetism or Personal momentum, emotional skewness distorted by systems, the gravitational lensing of the heart's desires, and the fierce blue layer where biology thrives. Bisexuality plotted on the graph of my skin, her perfume, his warm embrace held within.
11: very close another hand. Now, before I read, we went through this round pretty quick. Before I read, is there anyone that came in that signed, didn't sign up but now wants to read?
0: Well, if you change your mind, you can always tell me during the break. There'll be room in the second, and we might even have three rounds tonight, I night, I know.
11: This is called The Final Exit. I'd like to believe that
0: when we leave this world, we do it without breaking stride, or even rise from where we were and continue to walk that next
11: step through, a most delicate veil, and that as it slides across our face and then over our head and
0: down our backs, It gently dusts the pains and regrets and weight of the full of our past nights and days. And we then, with the very
11: clearest of eye and vision, look straight ahead to see the
0: grandest of a city park, almost forest before us, with the longest of clear pathway through. We walk and watch in an easy twilight and ever dusk, with the coolest of breeze brushing across the face, our face on a lukewarm as if summer evening. And everywhere but ahead, there is an ultimate and profound silence. And straight ahead on this path that goes on forever that only sound, almost seem, seeming just ahead, alone encouraging, but still melancholy mandolin, gently directing, calling us farther
11: and farther into and through things.
0: And you just heard readings by Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Eric Folsom, and me. And as mentioned, that ended the first round of uh, the first half. Well, the first round in the first half, let's put it that way, of the September 3rd. And the journey continues uh, reading in that monthly open mic reading series held at the Elm Cafe. And uh, coming up next, the next group opened the second round that evening, and here, and you're going to hear uh, Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Jill Glatt, and Corey Tokay.
11: Sweet. Let's go ahead and start round two. Let's bring up Gwen Whitford.
12: you who have heard me speak before have heard me mention my beloved adopted country, Dominica. I really love to look at the night sky there. And um, when I do, I often become very introspective. And here's a sampling of that. Who knew, once upon a time? Isn't that how every story begins when we reach a certain age? didn't we often wonder how it would all turn out? For better, or worse, or somewhere in between. The truth might hurt, but more often, we overlook opportunities for redemption, forgiveness, and acceptance too. That all-knowing face in the mirror has loved you all your life, no matter what fate has befallen you. Should have, would have, could have seasons, reasons, and lifetimes. Over too soon, yet never too late to acknowledge imperfections and celebrate the great. For at the end of the day, who knew it would turn out this way? Thank you.
7: I necessarily, until I had a chat with Gwen. Um, I am going to, and I apologize in advance, um, this is in French. If you understand French, that's fantastic, and you will understand all the nuances of this poem. If you don't, it will still sound very nice, because this is a Victor Hugo poem, and his, his poems have this beautiful, you know, sonorous, uh, lovely kind of cadence to them, and I think you will enjoy it. This one is called um, uh, Le Soleil s'est couché ce soir dans les nuées. So he's just, just talking about a beautiful sunset, and he's talking about um, kind of the, the natural scenery around him. Mm-hmm. Le soleil s'est
18: couché ce soir dans les nuées. Demain viendra l'orange, et le soir et la nuit. Puis l'aube et ses de vapeur obstruits. Puis les Pas du temps qui s'enfuit. Tous ces jours passeront, ils passeront en feu. C'est la face des mers, c'est la face des monts, sur les fleuves d'argent, sur les forêts où roule, comme un hymne confus des morts que nous aimons. Et sa face des eaux, et le front des montagnes, ridés et non vieillis, et le bois toujours vert, s'y rend Le flot des campagnes prendra sans cesse au monde le flot qui tourne en mer. Mais moi, sous charges jour courant plus bas ma tête, Je passe et refroidis ce ci ce ci laisse joyeux. Je m'en irai bientôt au milieu de la fête, sans que rien manque au monde immense et
13: radieux. Merci.
9: regarding Adam and
14: Eve.
9: Eve wasn't tempted by an apple. It was the possibilities of a lottery ticket. And it wasn't Eve, it was Adam. And actually, it wasn't even a winner. It was the opportunity to be free from responsibility and all those adult functions forced upon us in childhood when we were too young to know what's best. And it wasn't Eden, it was a neighborhood playground. When the grass is freshly cut, the TV trash is in its place, and the games have no rules, because no one is keeping score. And the serpent wasn't a serpent. It was a coach under contract. Actually, it was a commercial celebrity for a vacation cruise, or casino weekend, or an internet IPO offering, or some other high-debt extravaganza with temporal gratifications. So I guess the serpent is a serpent. And Eden is a playground for the material privilege. And Eve is tempted by the golden apple. And it isn't Eve; it is Adam. But the way we're progressing, it could just as easily be Eve.
11: Thank you, Doria. Let's give him another hand. Quite okay, let's bring him out.
8: So, this will hopefully one day make up a portion of a larger piece chronicling the Martian Wars. So, Martian Death Rays. You never forget the humming bloody buzzing of each blast, ash the only thing that remains, the dead never sieved from the soil, lucky bastards beside the wounded, whose nerves scream louder than any lungs as they clutch at cauterized stumps, while dancing pain-filled pirouettes, easy targets for the humming, the accursed bloody buzzing.
0: And you just heard readings by Gwen Whitford, Sasha Hill, Jill Clatt, Roger Dory, and Corey Toke. Again, that was in the second half of the uh, monthly. And the journey continues uh, reading in that open mic series at the Elm Cafe. Up next, the next group of uh, poets here in the round are. Devin G. A. and Graham, Bob McKenzie, Sarah M. Tisch and Alyssa Cooper.
11: Devin G.A., let's bring him up. Hey
6: folks. Um, this next one is going to be is called To Start a Poem. How am I going to start this one now? There's a new way to start this, if only I think hard enough. Wander the streets like a stray dog. Lock my new bike at the mall to write my book on weekends. Ask myself how I look when I sit behind a screen. Save money, everybody says, and is something I took for granted as I got a drink to start writing. Still no poetry is seen, shook from a uniform of undistracted work. Feels like life was corrugated. Growing up, this life would always transform. In time, one might wander to the poems, frustrated to begin with. A wandering state as I swarm the papers. Lyrical graveyards these other writers fill, I just sat down to hit off another masterpiece. It's pretty natural. Editing this, I sit down and the time drives gears, like Tool. If at home there's too many distractions, my bed will yield to me a theater of dreams, a pit of inspiration. So- Spoke myself up and rest, removing the grit of writer's block once more. Crush rocks when I speak. Split crowds up with the pressure brought forth. When I'm delta V, I always throw back a W. I listen to kids throw fits, but it has just lit a new connection. My head boils, since now my mind works in convection. Hot ideas now surface. In relation to my God's spotlight, direction of a new world dawns from those who do me wrong. They feel an illusion of their own perfection. Bisection of unison, countless words spark religion. A man who evolves like ecosystems in an episodic manner. The span of entropy resolves what, seems, what stems too long in one's focus. To plan for the stronger wind absolve those gems unwanted. I now scan the room. A soon-closing shop prescribes me an evening of chores. Slims my focus. My peers go angry a stand. They look down to the floors and stoop. Mess with the stems, but the tree has too many roots. Concessions of a stupor, let me understand people. My groove makes me a sleeper in the heads of the morons. But the facts in these words I use makes this one of a keeper. Thank you.
11: and GA, let's give him another hand. (laughs) Up next, Anne Graham, let's bring her up.
14: I think we should start with the short ones and work up to the tall ones. (laughs) Okay, conversation with God. I was talking to God this morning. In fun, I asked, how are you today? God laughed. I am as you are, my dear friend. You know well that we share our existence. Creation is my love and source of joy. Your part is to live each day completely. By living in each moment, each action is transformed into a new concept. Thus, we enjoy it differently. I am a greedy, loving God, and I just can't get enough, give enough. Creation is also my addiction.
11: And Graham, let's give her another hand. Up next, Bob McKenzie, let's bring him up.
5: friend Lazarus, dead a dozen times while well-paid plumbers fixed pipes and valves, made his heart pump again, no guarantee this time their repairs will hold. Blessed with photographic vision, Lazarus remembers each time he stood just past death's door, drawn toward light beyond while plumbers wrench him back to an uncertain world. For a regular, like Lazarus, death's no more a mystery than life that just won't let go.
11: <laughs> Mr. Paul McKenzie, let's give him another hand.
8: Sarah?
11: Sarah M. Tidge, let's bring her up.
4: an aunt um my, my niece was born at four in the morning and uh so that that is still very much what my heart is full of and I don't have her name is Hannah Joy six pounds I don't know maybe more now um and uh I don't have any poems about her yet uh but I'm, I'm sure there are there are many on, on the way but I do have a poem about her mother my sister and I thought um I would I would just read that one anyway. Um, It's called Packing Light. The things she brings with her are excessively few, and the greatest of these is the glow that shows through from the love and the grace that she lives.
11: (laughs) Sarah and let's give her another hand. Alyssa Cooper, let's bring her up.
15: in October and she died the first week of November. So I've had this, like, weird relationship with this book that I'm writing because instead of being like, yeah, I get to write poetry today, it's like, oh, fuck, I get to write poetry again today. Um, but everybody else has been reading poems about death and stuff today, so at least I'm in good company while I read another poem about
3: death.
15: <clears throat> August Hurts the Hardest. That time of early harvest when summer is trying to slip away, feet worn raw and dripping, slathering lips, limping down alleyways and whimpering. When insects crawl across salty flesh like this body is already dead, hornets swarm me. Know that I am one of them, carnivorous and sharp and wrapped in paper. My grandmother used to grow snapdragons, taught me to pinch their throats to make their mouths open wide, gave me clippings wrapped in damp towels but they didn't take root without her. Everything is yellow in this dying summer month. Hornets and flowers and livers, everything is translucent. Like a leaf held against the sun, everything smells like rotten fruit, plums dropping off branches and bleeding on the pavement. This is the month of fruitless harvest, of orchards emptied, of sweat crusting white at the corner of my mouth. Let me work, the ever-patient gardener. Let me work and let me burn mouth open wide like a strangled snack dragon.
11: Liz Cooper give her another hand.
0: And that was. Uh, get on the right spot here you just heard readings by Devin G.A. and Graham Bob McKenzie Sarah Emtish and Alyssa Cooper in the second half of and I should say in the second round as well since we had three that night so second half and second round of the monthly and the journey continues uh, open mic series at the Elm Cafe the next uh, group in the round there are going to be let's see three more poets I'm going to play this hour because I am, again, going to spend a lot of time sharing a lot of events. So, up next, you are going to hear Lyle Merriam, Tia Lunn, and Eric Folsom. Lyle, you got another
11: one? Lyle Merriam, let's bring him up.
8: This is called Beachfront View. I look across the water and I see the other shore. From my place here on the beach, I can see the sailboat's reach and the mark they're making for. I imagine what it's like to be standing on those decks as they take the upwind leg. Back on shore, there'll be a cave and they're already planning what's next. I look across the water and I want to be out there feeling wind upon my face whether cruising or a race away from daily care there's a freedom on the water that's missing on the shore the traffic's of a different kind that brings a calmness to the mind that wasn't there before I look across the water and I want to sail away far from rush and hurry away from work and worry and I know I'll go someday, thank you
11: for another one? Tia Lun, let's bring her up.
16: Most of this poem came from a love letter I recently found that I guess I wrote when I was 16 or 17. It was really sappy and kind of embarrassing. <laughs> You're soft in the quiet way too like when we're just sitting around and looking at our hands. I feel stiller than I've ever been in those moments when you kiss my fingertips. Everything is just silent and calm and perfect. <coughs> the person I love only exists in my mind. You'd think that make me my own soulmate or something. But your voice sounds like my pulse. Or maybe the other way around. I can feel it in my head.
11: Let's give her another hand. Up next, Derek Folsom. Let's bring him up.
17: All right, um, I'll, um, I'll preface the poem by saying that this is a bit of an anniversary for me this week. Uh, Fifty years ago, when I was 17, I came to Canada this week and um, I started uh, as a student at McGill University and I met a woman named uh, Molly Dunsmuir, who taught me freshman English and we became friends. Um, So I've read this poem before, uh, last spring, but it's been revised quite a bit. Molly passed away in February. And, uh, so, yeah, sorry, another poem about it. But poems about death are so often really about love, and that's the case. Of that. um, okay, and, um, and a, a technical detail. Um, one of the first things she tossed at us in our class um, was the Elizabethan poets of Philip Sidney and his sonnet sequence called Astrophil and Stella. And the last line in the first sonnet is, fool said my muse to me, look in thy heart and write. Pretty good motto, eh? OK. That's enough background. Sorry to bore you. Unsettled, Molly Dunsmeyer, In Memoriam 2019. Dear friend when I had very few friends to speak of. You let me sleep on the foam of a makeshift couch, the floor of a chili pad on Tower Road. Halifax made renaissance by sweet reason's touch. Does anyone remember those tongue-and-groove walls? And the overweight cat, Candy's skeptical face. The mugs of instant Sanka tall kitchen stools, night walks beside the ocean, tilting tiny space. Your apartment was the local bakery once, narrow living room shop, vending cakes and bread, the stirring, the rising from your kitchen workspace, an old oven, the high loft where you made your bed. At McGill, two years before I was seventeen, you, five years my elder, dark hair done up in braids. County Antrim woman and Shakespearean girl, our first-year English teacher, sharp and unafraid. You taught Sir Philip Sidney's Astrophil and Stella, asking, hath this world ought so fair as Stella is? Puzzling out the diction to get the music clear, quick wit, joyous phrasing that made the sonnet his. Cutting corners, I submitted old high school verse, poetry permitted when your essays were due. You weren't the least bit fooled, responding with concern. Never be this lazy, always make something new. Embarrassed, I began to get more serious. Went to readings and workshops, writing every day, studying Charles Olson and his Black Mountain work, Marvell and Bob Dylan, the hip of the Utre. You took law at Dal, and I you took law in Halifax, and I switched to Dal. Inspired to imitation altering life's course. Impecunious student, clumsy for knowledge. You rescued me so often, that odd dark horse. With feigned amusement, you observed my first affairs. Sister of Mark's delight, fresh romantic dreams the friendliest compassion beyond mine for myself, perfect trust that our hearts were tougher than they seemed. All this time later, your obit and Mike's emails. Notice you've left softly, fa- fair room setting at night. Unsettled in this grief, I can't thank you enough. Fools said my news to me, look in my heart to bright.
0: And you just heard readings by Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, and Eric Folsom in the second round and in the second half of the monthly, and the journey continues, open mic reading in that series at the Elm Cafe. And I uh, suppose I should probably do this now, and I'll be right back.
14: CFRC 101.9 Monday nights at 7
19: for self-reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136.
16: Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on four to the floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM.
19: The Youth Diversion Program is a charitable organization which has offered service to youth in the Kingston area since 1974. The goals of the organization are to allow youth to take responsibility for their behavior, to reduce the number of youth involved in the young offender system, to reduce the number of people victimized by youth in our community, and to involve the community in youth corrections. The Youth Diversion Program believes that all members of our community have the responsibility to provide all youth with the opportunity to develop and grow to their fullest potential. They work in partnership with the community to develop quality programs to assist youth to make positive changes in their lives and at the same time take responsibility for their actions. For further information, call 613-548-4535 or email info at youthdiversion.com.
16: Want to develop your skill set? CFRC always welcomes new volunteers who love radio broadcasting, love learning new skills, and love finding new ways to engage our wonderful community. At CFRC, volunteers can do lots of things. Come host an on-air program, do interviews, voice ads, and promotions, DJ events, or do fun outreach for your favorite local festivals. Join CFRC today. Find out more and submit a volunteer application anytime by visiting cfrc.ca.
0: And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queens University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. Here every Friday afternoon from 46 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And I do have several minutes to share some events, mostly because I really need to because there are a lot of things going on. And... uh, Also because uh, where I'm uh, doing these readings in the round and some of the segments are just uh, too long and everything that I had after this was too long to try to bring another one in and still have time to do the things I needed to do. So we're going to do that right after I do this because I normally do this to make sure I don't not leave myself enough time to do it at the end so i i do it a a few minutes early so i know there's still 15 minutes left of this show but i want to thank you now for tuning in today Uh, again you have been listening to finding a voice here on cfrc 101.9 fm i hope you can tune in next week i think uh, what i will be doing uh i will be uh There was a recent event, uh, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago now, unbelievable, where does time go? Uh, 100,000 Poets for Change, and I'm hoping to come in tomorrow and uh, get some of those readings edited, and we'll get them on the air next week, but we'll also end up, uh, end the rest of the readings. I think there were three more groups of readings Uh, at the open mic at the elm so that's what you're going to hear on here next week so i hope you can tune in for that i do want to remind you again as i did in the bottom of the first hour that each hour of the show each week is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after i get home and uh, after the show ends and uh, you can find that at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com it will remain there for four years and uh let's go ahead and go into the events i think my voice isn't going to hold up for 15 minutes so i did bring uh, just if i need it i brought uh, one piece of music so i will throw that on how's that so let's do this we've got some weekly events and i'm going to give you going to breeze through these only a little bit just because uh, we do have some other events coming up this week so uh, there is a weekly writing group uh, called the limestone writers group they do meet uh, at this time of year so anyway from september through april at 7 p.m. in the room 239 of stuffer library uh, to critique and uh, support one another's writing uh Says fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and memoir are all, all represented. Uh, they don't well. I'm not going to go into that. There are other times of the year they meet differently and don't meet, but that's not important. The next meeting that you need to know is October 9th. If you're interested, contact David at d p r a t t one nine three nine at hotmail dot com. Now there are four. These are temporary weekly events. Uh, the Limestone uh, Writers uh, Writing Group that I just mentioned actually meets 11 months out of the year. These are shorter-term events that Kingston Frontenac Public Library has set up. So I'm going to give you a brief title and description. There are four of them. And uh, the website that you'll need to or you'll want to resource, uh, here's the link, www.kfpl.ca. And that's Kingston Frontenac Public Libraries. Website. So, what they are doing on Mondays, all the way, it began the first part of September and is going through a few more weeks yet, October 21st, but not on Monday the 14th because that's Thanksgiving. So, it's actually going to be at the Sydenham branch and uh, this is, it's called uh, Grown Up Story Time and it's uh, weekly... Monday event. Uh, let's see. It's held from 11.45 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And what uh, programming, it says pro their programming assistant there will read stories, articles, et cetera, aloud. And it's open to adults. So that's kind of cool. That's different and really cool. And uh, the another Kingston Frontenac Public Library one is a Tuesday evening genealogy drop-in And this one is going to be held in uh, the Central Branch, so 130 Johnson Street. Again, the website, uh, www.kfpl.ca. It will be the same for all of these. Uh, So they're saying that if you're interested in uh, possibly... Researching or working on your family tree. Uh, they're suggesting you bring your own laptop, tablet, or pencil and paper. There's no re- registration for this. And, again, it's a drop-in. So it's uh, from its beginning, well, actually began in the mid-September on Tuesdays. So it's going to be every Tuesday through November 5th from 630 to 830. And uh, it says no registration is ne- necessary, and all are welcome. Uh, Then uh, there's one coming up uh, that's already started. You know I'm not going to mention this one because uh, it's already started and you really need to sign up for all five sessions. So what is today? Yeah, the first one's already passed. There is another uh, sort of drop-in, I believe. It's uh, for, because uh, November is National Novel Writing Month. Excuse me a second. They are going to uh, open their doors uh, to adult and teen writers. It says, yeah, drop-in sessions, no need to register, excuse me again. And free Wi-Fi, electrical outlets, it even says maybe a few snacks, so. These are going to be held uh, from different hours in different uh, branches, so. I would suggest you just uh, go to the website. Uh, there are like two. Uh, one is already one is happening uh, this coming Monday at the central branch uh, from two to four p.m. Uh, there's going to be one on Monday. They're calling them two uh, practice or something like that. Uh, and this is all part of the uh, Nano Rimo. Nano Rimo. There, I got it right. You got the right accent. Uh, they're all Monday sessions, uh, and they call them two prep sessions in October four writing sessions in November. And it's again, I don't know if I mentioned it, but open to adult and teen writers. It's happening at, the, uh, I, after the one this Monday at the central branch, the next one is Monday, October 28th at from seven to 9 PM at Calvin Park branch. And uh, then in November, every Monday in November, going to be Central Branch on November 4th in the evening, Isabel Turner Branch on November 11th in the evening, Calvin Park Branch in the afternoon, and uh, on November 25th then, back to the Central Branch for an afternoon writing time, I guess. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into, what time is it? Yeah, I got time for—we'll get through this week's anyway. Uh, Hugh G. Lefebvre, I will read from and launch his latest book, When You Tangle With Death, She Leads. That's happening this Monday, October 7th from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, There will be the following night, again, at Novel Idea, a triple book launch reading. Uh, Miranda Pearson, Sharon Berg, and Elizabeth Green. Miranda Pearson will uh, launch and read from her new collection of poetry called Rail. Sharon Berg from her collection of short fiction called Naming the Shadows. She has another book, too, I believe, that she's bringing with her. And Elizabeth Green from her much-anticipated uh, Dowager uh, Empress Poems of Adele Wiseman. So uh, that's happening Tuesday, October 8th uh, at from 7 to 9 p.m. And, uh, on Wednesday, October 9th from 7 to 9 p.m., this is open to the public. It's at the uh, Curry Hall of the McKenzie Building. Uh, the, it's going to be Kate Armstrong delivering this year's Young Memorial Lecture in Curry Hall. Uh, public is welcome. Everyone's welcome to attend. So that's happening on campus uh, or at RMC, I should say. And so with that, uh, my voice, I'm losing it. So I'm just going to, again, thank you for tuning in today. I do have a song uh, from the early 1990s, a group I heard way back then. I don't know if they're still around, but they're called October Project. And this song is called uh, Take Me As I Am. Hope you can stay tuned for Saltwater Music at the top of the hour. And uh, have a great weekend and week ahead.
10: CFRC 1019 FM is excited to announce a call for submissions for original work for a new Shortwave Theatre Festival coming in 2020. This is a radio play festival, and guess what? You get paid for your work. For more information on Shortwave Theatre, visit cfrc.ca slash shortwave or give us an email or call anytime. The deadline for submissions is coming up October 10th, so don't waste another moment and visit cfrc.ca. Q Electronics Kingston, your source for DJ gear and live band gear rentals for Kingston and the surrounding area. Brands such as Pioneer, Techniques, Rain, and so much more. New digital and vintage analog in stock for rental. Full white glove delivery, setup, operate, and loadout services for theater, dance floors, and live music festivals. Q Electronics, lighting, sound, and video. Look us up on Facebook for more.